भद्रम कर्णे शृणुयाम देवा भद्रम पश्येक्षजत्रा स्थिरंगुवागुंसस्तनु व्यशेम देवितयु स्वस्ति न इंद्रो वृद्धश्रवा स्वस्ति नूषा विश्वेदा स्वस्ति नस्ताक्ष्यो अरिष्टनेमी स्वस्ति नो बृहस्पतिर्दा ओं शातिशातिशा You know, this is actually a prayer. A part of it is a prayer for good health. Um, somebody asked a few days ago whether there is prayer in Advaita Vedanta and what is it for. So yes, there is prayer at the vyavaharika level, at the transactional level, where we find ourselves as jivas. We do pray, and here is a prayer. Maybe see, maybe hear what is auspicious. Um, specifically here, of course, hear what is auspicious means maybe hear Vedanta, and uh, uh, maybe. um see what is auspicious uh may we with firm limbs with good health may we live out our life span but for what purpose the whole purpose is for enlightenment so that our health corona virus should not be an obstacle to our vedanta so yes so there is prayer in advaita all right i think we can start Let me take the gallery view. I can see. Yes, we have a lot of people. I think we have the whole class here. One second. All right. We have a question right at the beginning. Do we have a question? I think uh, Gabriel had a question. Shashank, can you see? Yes. Um, Gabriel, I just. Yes, I had a. Yes. Sorry, I had a question from last week. Uh, I was the second last one, and then we had to run off. Uh, I have a question about the silence. Yes. What is the state of the silence when you still have duality, but there is a complete absence of the ego and of emotions? and it feels like the mind and the thoughts have moved miles and miles to the background yes so but absence complete complete absence of ego but still duality what is that silence right that's a very good question uh, gabriel she's asking about the uh, silence we spoke about at the end of om a stands for the waking u for the dream m for the deep sleep the the physical and the subtle and the causal and beyond these three when you finish the om a um om when you finish it there is a silence and that silence stands for the fourth our real self now what she is asking is not only physical silence not only the body is quiet speech is quiet you're not speaking even the mind becomes quiet and the even the ego fades away into a stillness that is what you're speaking about gabriel it goes beyond that it went on for two days right a deep silence but yeah a total silence a total like silence i understand it's like i had 
had a roommate for 54 years and it moved out. Uh, yes, that's a wonderful state. Uh, one more thing there. That's a very, very deep state. Uh, but in Vedanta, one more step, step has to be taken. Did you notice what you said? I know, and I remembered when you said, push the silence, drop the silence. Yes. The state happened three times for two days, but I couldn't drop the silence. I'll tell you how to drop the silence. Um, okay. In Vedanta, one more step has to be taken. And the step You're is... Muffled. I cannot hear you well. Uh, you can't hear me now? Uh, now I can hear you. Yeah. Yes. Um, so when uh, that silence, notice what you said. It went on, it lasted for two days. Two days yeah. is a long time, but it's still a duration of time. Yes. It came and went. So yes. what comes... I managed to go to Whole Foods and survive the silence. Yes. <laughs> so what comes and goes is not the ultimate reality. But, but, listen, here, listen carefully. At that point of silence, even if now also if you recall that silence, what, to what did that silence appear? I know that, I know that, but how do I drop it? I, it was still me and the rest of the world. That silence is gone now. It's replaced by the waking, dreaming and deep sleep. Yeah, yeah I know. Now it's back. Yeah. Yes. The, the you to whom the silence occurred, you are the same consciousness to whom the waking, dreaming and deep sleep, this Zoom class and going to Whole Foods, all of that is being seen by the same consciousness. So the silent silence points to that same consciousness which is free of the waking, of the dreaming, of the deep sleep, or even of the temporary silence. So that consciousness is what is meant by the silence after Om. See, there are two kinds I of... Know, yeah. But I was looking for that. How do I get from my silence to the Om silence, the silence after Om? You have answered it, your, I, you have answered yeah. it yourself. You said you were looking for it. What was looking? You cannot find it as an object. That's what the whole Upanishad is trying to tell you. That tendency to ob objectify. The final object that you will see, the final, deepest object that you will see is that deep silence. To it's, the, yeah. it's not that I was looking for it, but I re remembered when I say, remember I live on 59th Street and the thoughts were on 56th Street. But I heard you in my ear saying, Drop the silence, but I couldn't. Uh, I'm telling you how to drop the silence. It's not that you okay. make, if you make the silence go away, it will be replaced by noise. If you make <coughs> the silence of the thoughts go away, it will come back as thoughts. Right? If you make the deep sleep go away, what it will be replaced only by waking or dreaming. But the one which experiences the silence and the absence of silence, that's always there. Okay. You don't have to look for it. It has to come in a snap that it's always there and it has always been there. You cannot drive it away also. You're still looking for something. Don't look. You are that. Because I remember you from a, from a Manduka class where you said, push the silence aside, that's all I can say. Yes. Now, pushing the silence aside means, uh, I'll repeat again, pushing the silence aside means using the silence as a mirror. That means your attention is not on the silence. Your attention is now going from the silence to the one to whom the silence appears. Your attention is not on the mirror. Your attention is not even on the ref reflection in the mirror. Your attention is on the real face, which you cannot see. Yeah. You have to look the other way. You don't have to look. You have to be it. 
You are it. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's it. Just, just own it. That I am that one. Own it up. You can't objectify. You know, the struggle, there's so much, you know, it's an important point. The struggle which Gabriel is talking about, the struggle comes uh, when we are, the mind has an objectifying tendency. So it desperately tries to experience the Atman. It cannot. You can, and in fact, it's good that you cannot. Because then it would become an object. You only have to own up to yourself, I am that. All right. As we go forward today, again, these things will keep coming up. But it's a good way to start. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and, all right. The Vedantic teachings are very simp simple to summarize, actually. Brahma Satyam Jagat Mithya Jiva Brahmhevanapara. Brahman is the ultimate reality. The world is an appearance. And the Jiva, uh, the us, we are none other than that Brahman. That's all. That's all that Vedanta says. Every text of Vedanta says this. In the seventh mantra we saw last time, uh, in our summary of the first chapter, there are these two words, Prapanchopashama and Advaitam. Prapanchopashama literally means the silence or the cessation of the universe. And Advaitam means non-duality. Um, Prapanchopashama is another word for the falsity of the universe. It's not that the universe will disappear. It's that you, the universe will continue to appear, the world will continue to appear, your life will continue to appear. Um, even the coronavirus will still be uh, around, it will be appearing. But then what's the use? What happens actually after enlightenment? The whole appearance is it's realized as an appearance. It's not a reality out there threatening you. It's within your own consciousness and an appearance there. Uh, this is called mithya. The disappearance of the universe means in Sanskrit mithyatva nishchaya, a determination that the universe is false. It's not a real thing apart from you. That is the uh, prapanchopashama word. And for that, Gaudapada wrote an entire chapter. That is the second chapter of the Mandukya Karika called Vaitathya Prakarana, which means the chapter on the falsity of the world. What is the world? Prapancha literally means the world. Prapancha means that which is made of five elements. You know, sky and, uh, and air and, and fire and water and earth, the ancient cosmology. That which is made of five elements. Now, uh, yes, in once in a while we will stop and take questions. So if you raise your hand, it will stay there. And the advantage of the Zoom class is you don't have to keep your hand up all the time. You can just put the little blue hand and then uh, Shashank will call upon you after some time. What does the word mean in the Mandukya Upanishad? What do you mean by Prapancha in the Mandukya language? If you remember the three states, so the waker, and the waker has two, uh, two levels. One is the individual waker and then the cosmic waker. If you remember the terms, Vishwa and Virat. Vishwa means us, each of us. Virat is literally God in the form of this physical universe. Consciousness associated with the entire physical, subtle and causal universes. Literally what Arjuna saw in the 11th chapter of the Gita. The Vishwa Rupa Darshan. That is called Virat. Um, so that's, the, that's part of the cosmos. Then there is a subtle level which is um, Taijasa and Hiranyagarbha. Taijasa means what we are in, the, in our dream states. 
And Hiranyagarbha is the cosmic mind, consciousness associated with the cosmic mind. And then there is the Pragya and Ishwara. That means in our deep sleep, you the consciousness, where everything in your world, the physical and the subtle universes are merged in the blankness of deep sleep, you are called Pragya. And then the entire cosmos, when the entire cosmos is gone in, in, in the cosmic dissolution, only God exists. That state is called Ishwara. So, Prapancha, the word Prapancha, universe, is, it's, it's a tremendous word. It means the waker in the waker's universe, uh, Ishwara, uh, uh, this um, uh, Vishwa and Virat. It means the uh, individual dreamer and the cosmic mind, Taijasa and Hiranyagarbha. It means the uh, deep sleeper and Ishwara, the Lord, God of the universe in the state of cosmic dissolution. Uh, that is Pragya and uh, uh, Ishwara. That's one meaning of Prapancha. In another way, the same thing can be expressed in a more compressed way. Remember, the Mandukya Upanishad said, the Atma has four aspects. Or in, in uh, Sanskrit, uh, four Padas or four aspects. First is the waking. Second is the dreaming. Third is the deep sleep. And the fourth is the reality, the Turiya. So the first three, three Padas, the first three aspects are Prapancha. Pratamapada, Dvitiyapada, Tritiyapada, uh, Jagrat, Swapna, Sushupti. This is Prapancha. Another way, a third way of expressing the same thing is uh, Sthula Sukshma Karana. Sthula means gross, this one, the physical universe. This is Prapancha. And the subtle, sukshma, subtle, our thoughts, feelings, emotions, our dreams, the dream state, that is a subtle state. And then causal, karana, um, what we experience in deep sleep, that from which the waking and dreaming sprout, like a seed sprouting into a plant. All three together, gross or physical, subtle and causal, all together they are prapancha. Um, it can be further compressed as cause and effect. So the waking and the dreaming, the gross and the subtle are called effect, uh, karya, karya prapancha, the effect universe. And the cause, which is God or Ishwara with Maya, the, the, the causal, karana, that's called karana or causal. So the entire prapancha can be divided into two parts. Uh, or, uh, the karana prapancha, which is Ishwara with Maya, and the, um, the Karya Prapancha, which is the waking and dreaming, um, the seed has sprouted into the Ankura, the, the, the uh, sapling. Or one word, Prapancha can be described by one word, Anatma, not the self. It is not the self. And uh, this Prapancha is false. It's an appearance. This vast universe, objective universe of our experience. See, I described it in five ways, I think. The first one is uh, the waker, dreamer, deep sleeper. Uh, the, uh, the Vishwa, Taijasa, Pragya, the, the uh, Virat, uh, Hiranyagarbha and Ishwara. That's the first one. The second thing I described was, I think, the three padas, the three aspects. Prathama, Dvitiya, Tritiya Pada. The first aspect, second aspect, third aspect. That's also prapancha. The third thing I described was the uh, gross, subtle and causal. Um, sthula, sukshma, karana. The fourth way of describing the same prapancha is effect and cause. 
Karya Karana. And the fifth way I, I described the same prapancha is Anatma, not self. And this whole thing in the second chapter uh, of uh, in the Gaurapada Karika, Gaurapada used logic to prove that, to show that it's an appearance. It's not a reality, independent reality uh, of its own. So Jagat Mithya, world is false. In contrast to this is the self, is the Atman, the Turiya, the fourth. What is this self? It's neither the waker, nor the dreamer, nor the deep sleeper. Do you remember the seventh mantra? Nanta pragyam, nabahish pragyam, nubhayata pragyam. It's, it's not the waker, it's not um, uh, Vishwa, it is not the dreamer, not Taijasa, it's not the deep sleeper, not Pragya, it's not Virat, Hiranyagarbha, Ishwara. It is Turiya, the fourth. Uh, it is not the first path, the first aspect, second aspect, third aspect, but the self is the fourth aspect, the Turiya. In fact, the word Turiya means four. Then it is not um, the, uh, the, uh, the gross, not the subtle, not the causal. It is not, uh, in, in Sanskrit it is said, uh, sthula, sukshma, karana, vilakshana, atma, separate from them, uh, apart from the different from them. Uh, it is not an effect, it is not a cause. Uh, karya, karana, prapancha, vilakshana, atma. The Turiya is, is not, an, not the effect universe, waking and dreaming. It's not the causal universe, which is God, uh, it's, apart from that. It is Atma. Turiya is the Atma, not Anatma. This Atman, this Turiya, its non-duality is to be proved. Remember, one of the words in the seventh mantra was um, Advaitam, non-dual. So that is going to be proved in the third chapter of the Mandukya Karika. Uh, Gaurapada wrote a full chapter on this to prove the non-duality of the self in contrast to uh, the, the universe, which is duality, multiplicity. So we are going to enter into the, uh, a quick summary of the, um, of the third chapter. It is called Advaita Prakaranam, the chapter on non-duality. There is a, a few questions. I'll see if I can answer them now. Can you call upon a few of them? Yes. So Prabir, um, Prabir Babu, I think, are you? Please go ahead. Prabir Babu is there? He's muted. Uh, uh, there, you can, anybody else? Oh, Prabir Babu is there, yes. Please ask the question. I hesitate. Yeah, I hesitate uh, talking about it because my experience is very limited. I remember you said that uh, when you say when you say home, the deep sleep M uh, stands for deep sleep. Yes. And at that point, drop the deep sleep. Uh, drop uh, deep sleep state. And when I have done that, and it's happened for me for a very short period of time, that sometimes I get this state which is kind of indescribable. And uh, even if I try to say Aham Brahmasmi, Aham bothers me. Mm. Now, is that's not silence, but I'm saying that because, but it is kind of an indescribable. There is. Uh, that's what I wanted to say. Right. 
remember again and again I'll uh, uh, stress this that when we are talking about it uh, the editoria it's not a state uh, all the states come and go it's like that uh, when I say drop the if I say drop the deep sleep you cannot actually drop the deep sleep because in deep sleep you cannot do anything in, in your only you can do it in your understanding when you conceive of right now in the waking what is waking like what is dream like and what is deep sleep like you are the consciousness um, who's the witness of all of them it's like when i say gold is not the necklace or the bracelet or the earring drop the necklace but drop the necklace i don't mean physically drop the necklace and pick up some other ornament no no drop the necklace means take your attention away from the necklace name the necklace form and the necklace use and put your attention to the material out of which the necklace is made similarly in this case take your attention away from the different states which are coming and going waking dreaming and deep sleep are states and samadhi and other kinds of deep uh, you know spiritual trances or pathological states like coma or being unconscious those are also fainting i don't like the word unconscious because in advaita you know you cannot really be unconscious but fainting let's say so those states are uh, they are states turiya is equally the witness of all those states turiya is in and through and the witness of all of that uh, instead of trying to change a state for another state in what mandukya is telling us is what is common to all of these states to whom do these states come and go and you don't have to do anything for that you don't have to go there or become that you are that already one more person then we'll proceed um let us see who raised the hand amma amma are you there yes i am yes can you hear me i can hear you go ahead so somiji in the last class you were talking about um looking at the dream state and saying how the experiences within the dream appear very real to you yes. and then when you wake up um they are not real and that's how you recognize that it was a dream and similarly in the waking world all our experiences are appear real to us because they're actually in the process but when we become when we know that uh, or when we understand that we are the self we will know that the waking world itself is unreal yes but you gaudapada was giving a lot of reasons as to why the dream experiences falls and why the waking experiences falls but one of the aspects of the waking world is that we have a continuity of events right like yes. for example um how the and that makes the waking world much more real than what our experiences are in the dream world right how does gaudapada say how does he deal with it well let he will deal with it in the same way that he deals with all the other objections see when you are trying to distinguish between the waking and the dream gorapada will show you that the distinction does not apply that's his general strategy what he does is he collapses the waking into the dream and shows both a dream like so for example one of the standard objections is why should i continue why should i um, accept the uh, waking world to be as false as the dream world because every time i go into a dream it's a different world it's a different thing it's unstable nothing carries over from one. you may repeat a dream but there does not feel like a continuity 
Whereas the waking feels like a continuity. You wake up in the same room, the same job, same person, same problems. Um, so isn't the waking more stable than the dream? It seems so in the waking. Gaurapada would say, when you are in the dream, there is no sense of discontinuity there. When you are in the dream, you don't feel, oh, it's an instantaneous universe I've come into. It will last only for a few seconds. Then another dream will start. No. Very interesting. Each dream you come into, it feels like a real world. Maybe which has existed for millions of years or billions of years. There are people there, lives there, problems going on there. And then it disappears. Of course, it will be like that because it's basically a facsimile of the waking state. So in the dream world, there will be a sense of continuity. Only the discontinuity is understood from the waking perspective. Right. So, yes, that, that's how he will deal with it. Um, hold on to the questions. I will move on to the third chapter, Advaita Prakaranam, where Gaurapada will try to demonstrate the non-duality of the fourth. Remember, the first three have been dealt with as false in the, in the, uh, third, in the second chapter. Now, in the third chapter, the fourth, Turiya, Atma, you, Brahman, the truth that it is Satyam, that it is non-dual will be demonstrated. Now, we have already done this, but I'll quickly summarize the central arguments. He starts off in the fourth chapter by saying that duality is samsara. Duality is the source of evil. All problems are in duality. We say, what harm has duality done? Well, all harm is there because... Duality means that uh, uh, there will be, uh, you know, duality means difference. I am different from all of you. Yeah. So, and uh, there will be uh, space and time and causality and change. That's duality. The moment change is admitted, the difference is admitted, you will have birth and uh, growth and old age and disease and coronavirus and death. Uh, and uh, when moment limitation is admitted, I am this much and not anything more, then there will be desire and fear and temptation and terror. All samsara comes from difference, from this sense of, um, of duality. So even the duality, Gaurapada says, it, it, very offensive to uh, devotees maybe, he says even the duality of the devotee, where I am a samsari, and God is separate from me, a dualistic religion, where ultimately God is separate from me and I have to worship God. The relationship between me and God is one of difference and worship and surrender. Even that, he says, is a kind of samsara. It's, it's a better samsara, it's a religious samsara, but it is still samsara. And that I have, after death, I have to go to heaven and stay with God. Gaurapada dismisses all of that as dvaita, duality, and uh, it is open to samsara and change and suffering. And he uses a word, kripana. Kripana means, literally in Indian languages, it means a miser. But in uh, Vedanta, it means something like that. It means small and petty and uh, miserable. So duality reduces us, who are the, we are the reality of this universe. We are infinite, into finite, small creatures. In fact, in the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna, in the first, second chapters, when he is uh, pleading with Sri Krishna, he says, Karpanya dosha upahata swabhava. My natural bravery and courage have been overcome by this, this fault of being kripana. Kripana means small, petty, miserable, uh, selfish, little. 
This comes from duality. In contrast to this is the non-duality of the Atman, of the Turiya. Remember, the Turiya is not the waker, dreamer, deep sleeper. Um, it's not the, the, the gross, subtle or causal. It's not the uh, effect universe. It's not the causal universe. Um, if, it's not just that duality is there in waking and dreaming. It's obviously it's there. Different difference is there. We see that. Uh, but in deep sleep also, the seed of duality is there. Even when we fall asleep, it doesn't seem to be dualistic. It seems to be into merged into one non-dual darkness. Uh, there's no subject-object duality. But the seed is there. And that will immediately sprout into waking and dreaming. In cosmic dissolution, when the Lord alone, God alone exists with his power of Maya, it seems to be non-dual, but actually the seed of duality is there because a new creation will come. Again, the universe will be created. The cyclical theory, it goes on. So in duality, there is no rest. Non-duality is the solution according to uh, Gaudapada or Advaita Vedanta. Now he's going to prove with the help of reason, non-duality. How does he do that? Um, okay. What he does is, one way of proving non-duality of the self, that I am non-dual. Non-dual means other than me, there is nothing. Me, the real me. Other than me, the real me is the Turiya. Other than the Turiya, there is no real second thing, even though everything appears. Um, what he does, one way of proving that is that the Turiya is not a cause, it's not a karana. What does it mean? When is, when, when is there a problem of duality? When apart from you, the self, there is a second thing. Apart from the Turiya, there is something second. Now, if the Turiya is a cause, then something is born of the Turiya. Something is born of the Turiya. Um, Advaitam will be spoiled, non-duality will be lost if a second thing is produced from the Turiya. If the ultimate reality is Brahman, and from the Brahman something emerges, a world or us, individual beings, then duality starts. So, if you can prove that Brahman is not a cause, it does not produce a second thing, then you have proved non-duality. Do you see what I mean? Um, these four words keep in mind. The third chapter can be summarized in four words. Advaitam, Ajatavada, Asparsha Yoga, Amani Bhava. In English, let me tell you the meanings. No duality, Advaitam. Ajatavada, no origination or no creation. Asparsha Yoga, no contact or no relationship. And third, Amani Bhava, no mind, no mind. So these four uh, no's, no duality, no origination, no contact or no relationship, and no mind. These are the four key terms in the whole chapter, uh, very profound terms. Advaitam, Asparsha, uh, Advaitam, Ajatavada, Asparsha Yoga, Amani Bhava. And the whole thing can be summarized with these four terms. Now we have got the first one, Advaitam, non-duality. How will you prove it? You will prove it by showing that nothing originates from Turiya. Turiya is not a cause. Not a cause of the Jiva, individual beings. We have not really come from the Turiya. We are still the Turiya. And it is not a cause of the universe also. Uh, Jagat is also not produced from Turiya. Uh, how does he do that? I will finish this section and I will take questions. What is the logic? What is the reasoning? 
So the reasoning is this, the chain is this, not to, pro to prove non-duality, you have to prove that Turiya is not a cause. Why? Because there should not be any effect. If anything is produced from Turiya, duality comes. No effect, then it's not a cause also. If it's not a cause, then it's non-dual. To prove that it's not a cause, you have to prove that a world and us, we have not really been produced from Turiya, though we appear to have been. How does he do that? He uses reasoning to show that the Turiya is not a cause of the jivas, us. Reasoning to show that Turiya is not a cause of the Jagat, the world. And also he brings in a lot of support from the Upanishads to show that no jiva has actually been created, no jiva is actually born, no universe is actually born. And so because no jiva is born, no universe is born, you cannot call Turiya the cause of this universe or our cause. It's not really a creator. There is no creation, that's why. And this whole theory is called Ajatavada. And this is what Gaudapada is famous for. In philosophy, if you ask, uh, the speciality of Gaudapada is Ajatavada. Non-origination, non-creation, no universe, none of us. You say, does that mean we don't exist? No, no, no. It means that you are the Turiya. You have never become, uh, I've never become Sarva Priyananda or you've never become this person. You are already the Turiya, always where, but you appear as this. Logic, what is the reason? How does he prove that no jiva, no sentient being, that I have never become a person? I am still the Turiya. How, 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 how is it proved? Gaudapada uses the example of, um, if you remember, pot space and the great space. The example of the space. When a pot is made, it seems that the great space, the sky, it becomes enclosed in that little place as the pot space, the space within the pot. And every time a pot is created, it seems that a pot space has also been created. Do you follow the example that the pot encloses a space? So we say something has happened. The vast infinite space has now been demarcated. There is the vast sky, but a little bit of it has been enclosed into a pot. And that's the pot space. And the example was, actually it's an illusion. Sky or space cannot be cut up, cannot be divided. When the pots are created, it seems that the pot space is born. When the pot is destroyed, it seems that the pot space merges back into the uh, vast uh, space, infinite space, and the pot space is dead, or it merges back into the uh, great space. Uh, when the pot is being moved, uh, it seems that the space within the pot is moving along with the pot. You remember we had discussed these things. No. It's an illusion. Space is not divided. Um, the parts only appear to divide space. The part space and the space outside are one and the same undivided. Nothing has been affected there. When the part breaks, it's only the part that breaks. It's not that the space is was there and the space is gone. And when you move the part, when there is a change, it's the part moving through space. It's not the space inside the pop part is moving with it. Rather, the pot is moving through space. See, if you fill water in the pot and then you move it, will the water go with it? Yes, of course it will. You have a glass of water and you move the glass, the water will also go. Otherwise, you will make a very wet mess. Uh, but the space through which the glass is moving, uh, it, the space is not traveling with the glass. The glass is traveling through space. Space does not move with the glass, nor is the space affected by what you put in the pot. If you put the, the holy Ganges water, it's not that the space within the pot has become a holy. 
if you put uh, dirty water it's not that the pot may become holy or, or dirty uh, if you put smoke in a pot why would you do put smoke smoke in a pot in india we did that every day for the mosquitoes so you have a pot I, it was one of my duties to walk around the monastery we used to call it dhuna so you put uh, um, some uh, fragrant uh, you know like uh, camphor and stuff there and a coconut husk and you light a little fire there and it burns slowly and produces lots of smoke and it's a fragrant smoke and so i had to walk around putting the smoke in all the rooms and in the temples and it was a very nice duty i still remember very nice in the, every day in the evening so there is smoke in the pot the pot is smoky but the space does not become smoky uh, it just the smoke comes and dissipates the space is not affected by the smoke so space is not affected now you might say so what exactly like that he says in thurium the consciousness when the body is born it seems that i an individual consciousness has been born this is just like the space is not not created or born with the creation of the pot similarly with the creation of the body birth of the body an individual consciousness has not been created it is that infinite consciousness thuria which appears to be individual in association with each body when the um, body dies it's not that the individual consciousness is dead uh, it's just that the body dies when there are changes the body grows and ages and uh, sickens and uh, um and dies um, and all these problems happen in the body it's not that the consciousness is growing and aging and sickening when the mind changes um just like the smoky pot if there's depression in the mind anxiety in the mind it's not that the jiva the consciousness has become depressed or anxious it reveals the anxiety in the mind it reveals the depression in the mind it reveals the joy and pleasure in the mind also the consciousness in itself is not affected just as the space in the pot is not affected any change is in the pot and its contents but not in the space it only appears to be affected similarly consciousness only appears to be affected it is neither created with the birth of the body nor destroyed with the death of the body nor does it change with the change of the body or the mind so in consciousness these things appear change and disappear consciousness itself never becomes a jiva an individual being only seems to be just like the pot seems to get a pot space and then the pot space again seems to disappear this is the argument uh, based on an example which gaudapada deploys to show that just as the va- the, uh, a, the space is pot space is never produced not destroyed similarly the jiva the sentient being the individual beings like us is never produced in thuria not destroyed nor is it subject to change not subject to birth not subject to old age death not subject to plurality and just as many parts does not mean there are many spaces have been created only the appearance is like that similarly many bodies does not mean many beings have been created it's the same theory which appears in all of these forms this is the negation of consciousness becoming dual that means from the thuria many consciousnesses have come no many bodies appear but no consciousness is non dual there is no second consciousness produced from the thuria one negation of jiva srishti creation of the jiva is negated no second being has been created apart from you the thuria though it appears to be so 
You say, what about us? There are, I can count, 57 people, uh, including you. So there are 57? No. Only with 57 bodies, 57 minds, 57 personalities, the one thurium is appearing and playing in different ways. Consciousness by itself is one and the same. Um, all right, you may say so, but what about this world? Even if there's only one consciousness, even if we are only one consciousness, you just said so many bodies are there, so many minds are there, so many buildings and cities and places and millions of beings. So the world has been created, no doubt. You just said it, like the pots are created. One thing about the pot example, to us, with our modern way of thinking, we feel that there is a difference between the sky and the pot. In the, in the example, there is the pot and the sky enclosed in the pot and the vast sky. So there seems to be a difference in the sky and the pot. But um, in the old Indian cosmology, if you remember, uh, from the space came the, f the air, from the air came the fire, from the fire came the water, from the water came the earth. Tasmad vayeta smad atmana akasha sambhuta akashad vayu vayu ragni agner apa adhya prithivi Taitiri Upanishad Brahmananda Valli From that Atman came the space from space came um, um, uh, air from air came water from uh, air came fire from fire came water from water came earth from to those ancient cosmologists for them Earth, the clay out of which the pot is made, is just a grosser form of the same sky. It's nothing different from the sky. So it appears as a, as a pot, the sky itself, and appears to enclose the sky. So for them it is continuous and non-dual. There's no second thing has ever happened. But anyway, even from our modern perspective, or common sense perspective also, um, Gaurapada now gives a second example to show, even though a world seems to exist, no world has been produced from thurium. There is no second thing apart from thurium. How? Here he uses the dream example. In our dreams, you know, in our dreams we see a world. There are people and there are places and there is space and time and activities going on. Desha kala vastu vyavahara. Desha space, kala time, vastu means objects, people, things. And vyavahara means transactions, activities, events. And when we wake up, all of that, we say, oh, it was all in my mind. All that space, all that time, all those activities, events, and all those people, the places I went to, the things that I did, the good and bad, even the thoughts I had, all of that were in me, the dreamer's mind. Nothing was there actually. I say none of that really happened. I saw it, but it did not happen. And hence I call it false. It's not that a second person was ever produced by me in my dream, just an appearance. Similarly, all of this, waking, dreaming, deep sleep, all the people that we see, all the objects, the space and the time and the activities, in waking and dreaming at least there are activities, space, time and activity, and in deep sleep the seeds are there, potential is there. All of that is an appearance in me, the consciousness, in Turiya. Just like dreamer's mind, all the things in the dream are produced and they are non-different from the dreamer's mind. Similarly, from the Turiya consciousness, all the waking, dreaming, deep sleep experiences are non-different from it. Not a second thing, not a new thing which has been produced. 
So, Advaitam. And then Gaudapada goes on to get many references from Upanishads to back up his logic. So, what has he proved here in this stage? This is called Ajatavada, Ajati. No second thing is there. I've st shared this story earlier, but let me tell you once again. Um, this uh, I uh, remember once we went with some senior monks to an ashram near Belurmat. It's called Barisha. And uh, there was a very interesting man who lived there. I told you about him. His name was Durgadas um, Bandhapadda. He was a philosopher, but a very interesting person. And uh, he had many questions. So when we went with some senior monks there, I was a brahmachari. So um, we had a meeting and the philosopher was there. He had retired and he was living in that retirement home. So he asked a question. The Swami of that ashram told that philosopher, Durgadas Babu, um, here is Swami Mumukshanandaji. He has also passed away, so I can always use his name. Swami Mumukshanandaji was a very senior monk and wonderful, extraordinarily wonderful Swami. So here is Swami Mumukshanandaji. Um, he will answer all your questions. Please ask your questions. And the philosopher Durgadas Babu asked, Maharaj, what is the practice of Ajatavada? That non-origination. So at that level, what is spiritual practice? And the answer he gave was very interesting. Uh, Mumukshanji gave the answer. He said, imagine a little boy who lived in a forest with his father, who has never seen civilization, towns and villages. And one day his father takes him to a nearby village and to the headman's house there. And then the father teaches the boy, look son, this is called a table. This is called a chair. Now the boy says, Father, where is the table? He says, I can see only wood. Where is the chair? I can see only wood. We would say, here it is. Can't you see it? It's a table. No, but the boy is right. He knows what is wood. And so if you say it's a table, um, then the boy will say, all right, this is wood. Where is the table? Whatever you point to is the wood. Whatever you touch is the wood. The table has no existence apart from the wood. Then a second thing called table was never produced. A second thing called chair was never produced apart from the wood. It's just a name and a form and a use. Nama Rupa Vyavahara. That is called Ajatavada, non-origination. It's the same as Shankara's Advaitavada, but it's a more radical expression. Uh, I've shared this with you in Uttarakhand. I asked, often the discussion is there, I saw it in Harvard also, the discussion is uh, there, uh, the difference between Shankara and Gaudapada. What's the difference? Really there's no difference, it's the same philosophy, but um, expression might be a little different. So one sadhu in Uttarakhand said in the Himalayas, I asked him uh, difference between Shankara and Gaudapada, he said, Gaudapada uh, Gaudapada was a, like a, you might call a desperate sadhu, you know, like very radical, complete non-duality. No concession. Then I said, then what is Shankara? He said, oh, Shankaracharya to Jagat Guru. He is a teacher of the world. So when you are a teacher of the world, Jagat Guru, then you have to make concessions. You have to carry people. You have to take people like us, make it understandable to us. If you are like Gaudapada and say, nothing has come. Only Brahman exists. And we look around, we don't see any Brahman. And what we see, what we experience, Gaudapada is dismissing all of that. Then we, we are nowhere. Anyway, so this is called Ajatavada. Quick questions at this point.
Uh, I think some people have raised their hand. Second question from Gabriel. Yes, yeah, Gabriel. Me again. Uh, I have a question about Turia. So I read a book about Turia. And the, the author said, although there are no different levels, quote-unquote, of Turia, there are different levels, quote-unquote, of Turia integration. Uh, what is your opinion in terms of how what? you integrate it? Which book was that? Uh, I forgot the author. I will look it up and then I, All right. I, I send the text. Um, yes, um, I agree. I, I, didn't, I have not thought about it that way, but you are right. One thing, like one thing to understand very firmly, as what he has said is, Correct that there are no levels of Turiya. The moment people say that there are levels of Turiya or there is something beyond Turiya, already there is a mistake. There are philosophies which talk about Turiya Atita, beyond the Turiya. But what they are talking about, if you look closely, is that not they are talk there is no nothing beyond the Turiya. It's just that, as this author has said, there are different levels of integration of the Turiya. Integration means the ability to own up to it and manifest it in your life what becomes real to it's good to talk about these things but until it's real you really can't say you've integrated it into your present life so there are different levels of being able to integrate it and express it in life that's a good point next question i'll we'll, uh, hold on to that we'll move on. we'll come back other questions the next question is from shaker and kiran yes Na namaste swami namaste I was trying to understand how this waking world is real and I wanted to ask you if this makes sense, if this understanding. Uh, so, uh, at any time we can experience only one thing. So, if I'm dreaming at that time, I'm experiencing the world, you know, as a dream. And then when I'm in the waking state, I'm just experiencing the world in the waking state. So. So when I'm in the dream world, the waking world, the waking world actually does not exist. So using that logic also, can we say the world does not? Correct. In the dream world, the waking is negated. In the waking world, the dream is negated. And the deep sleep, waking and dream are negated. This is actually one of the karikas of Gaudapada. What is not negated is you. Notice, when you go into the dream, this body, this life, the people in your life, the uh, memories, they are all, let us say, they are all resolved or they are pushed to the background. You are not aware of them. You are aware of an entirely different world in the dream, temporarily. You have a body in the dream, other people in the dream. You have some thoughts related to the environment of the dream. And all of that disappears. Again, when you go into deep sleep. There is no question of even the um, uh, personality of Kiran there. So that also disappears. And again it all comes back. What is it that does not disappear? Our attention is so much fixed on the object, on the body, on the personality, that we forget the, the consciousness to whom they appear. That consciousness in itself has no personality, has, does not have a body, does not even have a mind. In that um, consciousness, body, mind, personality and world, worlds I will say, plural, they appear and disappear. You are in the uh, like, like infinite streaming light. In you these things appear and disappear. And it's not that you have to become like that. What Mandukya says, we are already like that. Okay. Um, should we go on? Or is there one more question? Yes. Anandiji? Namaste. 
Yes. So if we go with Ahamu Brahmasmi, yes. why even use so many terms? Isn't the word Asmi enough? Yes, I mean, correct. Brahman, why a construct Yes, Asmi is enough, but only when you have understood what is Asmi. Otherwise, what will happen is, the Asmi is immediately mixed up with body. Immediately it will flash, I am the body. And then the mind comes, so I am body-mind. To negate that, this I which is rooted in the body-mind, we must dispense with the uh, upadis of body, mind, environment, and go back to its natural state, which is pure Asmi. Aham Asmi, Asmi Bhami, am, and a kind of shining am. That's the core. And that appears as all of this. And then appropriates part of the appearance to itself. Behind you is Mona Lisa. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's a um, painting. Now the paper is just a paper. It's paper and paint. Now the paper thinks, forgets that I am paper. It just thinks, I am Mona Lisa. And those trees are different from me. Uh, and the sky is different from me. No. Mona Lisa, trees, sky, none of them are there. It's paper and paint only. Or you can say, Mona Lisa, trees, sky, all of them are me. And they are not really Mona Lisa, tree or, tree or sky. I am this one reality which is appearing in this form now. It could be um, rubbed out and another kind of painting could be made. I would still be the same. Um, yes. Alright. So this is called Ajatavada. And in this way, Gaurapada has proved the non-duality of, um, of the self of Turiya. How? How is this non-dual? Advaitam depends upon Turiya not being a cause. If it is a cause, it will produce an effect. It produces an effect, duality will come. Then samsara will come. Time, space, change and all of that. But not being a cause means it has not really produced an effect. This really word is very important because it appears to have produced an effect. Here is the world and people. And I remember um, that uh, I, I, I had uh, read in an English translation of the Quran a very beautiful first verse. It's not the way uh, Orthodox Muslims will understand it, but to a non-dualist, that verse speaks so directly. It says, from Allah, the most beneficent one and all, so from Allah, nothing is born and Allah is not born. Neither is Allah born nor is anything born from Allah. This, I mean, if you look at it philosophically, it goes straight to the Ajatavada of, uh, of Gaurapada, in an extreme sense. Of course, Orthodox Muslims will not, because it's a dualistic religion, they will not interpret in that way. One more question, then we will move on. Who asked a question? Nikita? You're muted. Yes. Yeah, Pranam Swamiji. Um, my question is uh, again related to the three states. So, um, like we are looking at the states, we are aware of multiple states in, yes. say, the waking state. We can, we think, we can recall our dream. We can infer the deep sleep, but in the dream state, we are aware only of the dream state, and we can't infer deep sleep. No. So um, by this logic, and in, in deep sleep, we cannot, we are not thinking of anything. So by this logic, can we say that the waking state is the most real because we are aware of like multiple states? 
Right. That's why in um, in Shankara's, let's say, the way Shankara teaches Advaita Vedanta, uh, gradation of reality is admitted. Ultimate reality, Turiyam, the Paramartika Satyam. But then he makes a difference between Vyavaharika and Pratibhasika. Vyavaharika is transactional reality. What is transactional reality? Our waking state. Um, what is transactional reality? The rope. But what is Pratibhasika? Illusory or appearance? Dream state. What is the illusory or appearance level of reality, Pratibhasika? The snake. So, if you ask Shankara, he will agree with you. He will say that, no, no, you cannot equate the rope and the snake. Um, the snake appears and disappears and you, you realize it's a rope in this waking state. And ultimately the rope itself will be realized to be false with respect to Turiya. So, three levels are set up. Pratibhasika, which is error, dream, illusion. Then, Vyavaharika, which is waking, uh, what you experience with your senses, this world. And Paramartika, which is Brahman or Turiya. So, these three levels. What Gaudapada has done is, he has collapsed the, the waking and the dreaming. The, the Pratibhasika and Vyavaharika are into one. And he calls them both dream, both are Pratibhasika. His logic is, both are appearances. Both are appearances to consciousness. Gaudapada actually admits only two levels, Kari and Karana, effect and cause. Uh, both are appearing in consciousness. Consciousness itself is neither cause nor effect. He admits only two things, which is uh, sleeping and dreaming. Sushupti and Swapna. Deep sleep, nothing appears. And dreaming, what is dreaming? Dreaming is also dreaming, waking is also dreaming. For Gaudapada, so this distinction. What you said is, it's, it's a common sense approach. It clearly, it seems to us the waking is different from deep sleep. Uh, waking is different from, from dreaming. In waking, we are aware of dreaming and deep sleep, whereas in dreaming, we are not. Gaudapada, you know what he will answer to that? I think by now you have got the trick. Gaudapada will say, in dreams, you can still have waking, dreaming and deep sleep. In dreams, nobody is thinking, I am dreaming. They will think, we are thinking, we are awake. Some fellows are in sleep and deep sleep, some are dreaming and we are awake. We don't think usually that we are dreaming in, in dreams. So, this judgment you are passing on dreaming is from the waking state. That's what Godapada will say. And he has a very watertight logic. It's a very disturbing logic, but it's a watertight logic. Alright. One more point about the... Hold on to the questions. One more point about third chapter. Many things are there. Um, a couple of points. One point is, now what do you do? How do you realize this truth? So, he has a beautiful verse. Um, I'll read it out. I gave a whole talk on this verse. Uh, no mind. If you look at the website, it's, it's there. And it became quite popular. I think it's got more than a quarter of a million views or something. No mind. It's only on this verse. Third chapter. This is the um, 30... Wait... This is um, yes, thirty-second verse of um, the third chapter. Atma satyanu bodhena na sankalpa yada amanastam tadayati 
ग्राह्याग्रहम दिस फर्स्ट वर्ड आत्मसत्यानुबोधेन सो वॉट इज टू बी डन रियलाइजेशन मीन्स द रियलाइजेशन ऑफ दफ द तुरीयम दैट आई एम दुरीयम सी नाउ वी हैव सीन अद्वैतम वी हैव सीन अजातवाद नाउ ही सेज दिस तुरीयम इज अस्पर्श Asparsha means asangatma. The turiyam has no connection with the waking, dreaming, deep sleep. The rope has no connection, no relationship with the snake. The rope has no relationship with the snake. Um, the blue color in the sky. The sky actually has no relationship with the blue. It never really is blue. It's just a uh, play of light. Because of that, it looks blue. So the false has no relation with the real. The desert has no relation with the mirage water. Shankaracharya says in one place, um, all the water in the mirage cannot make one grain of sand wet in the desert. Similarly, the entirety of the prapancha of the universe, waking, dreaming, deep sleep, has no effect, no connection on Turiya. Turiya is not an, an effect. Turiya is not an, not a cause. Cause and effect they have relationship, but Turiya has no relationship with any of that. This having no relationship with the world. Although the world appears in Turiya, the world appears in Turiya, but Turiya has no relationship with the world. This is called asparsha, and the realization of the Atman in this way is called asparsha yoga. Asparsha means no relationship, which is that Turiya. No relationship with what? Waking, dreaming, deep sleep, the entire universe, and the realization I am that Turiya is called yoga, asparsha yoga. It's a very beautiful verse. This is called asparsha yoga. how do we realize that the practical point is that notice whenever the mind is active samsara is there so when the mind is active in waking mind is active in dreaming and the mind is in a resolved state seed state in deep sleep the mind has to become no mind for you to realize asparsha yoga for you to realize the turiya this mind becoming no mind has to be carefully understood look at that talk you will have a good revision of of what is the idea there the basic idea is not that you have to give up the mind not that you have to destroy the mind not that you have to stop thinking or not that you have to fall asleep or always stay in samadhi that's the yogic approach forget the world that is the only approach that is the drunkard's approach uh, the um, uh, yogi wants to wipe out the experience not wiping out the experience of the world not even stopping thinking no all of that let it go on but you realize the falsity of that and therefore the false and the real have no relationship that is called asparsha yoga and that is that is accomplished through no mind amani bhava amani bhava means atma satya anubodha realization that i am the real turiya and whatever appears to me is the false jagrat swapna susupti appearing playing around and disappearing in me leaving me completely unaffected just as the sky is not affected by anything it uh, it uh, anything in it similarly consciousness is not affected by whatever appears in it and then um, uh, godapada gives some meditation um, niridhyasana techniques if you remember uh, he tells us to do if if this seems to be clear but not yet a real uh, we feel we have not yet realized it niridhyasana is recommended prescribed huh. and um, um, then he says the there are some obstacles to niridhyasana uh, laya vikshepa kashaya if you remember those things you can look back uh, in that chapter and what is the remedy for that and he ends the chapter um then fourth chapter 
what is this fourth chapter fourth chapter is called alata shanti prakarana let me just do the first verse and then we'll stop alata shanti prakaranam alata shanti means um, alata shanti means alata is uh, like a firebrand it's an example which is which was used prominently by buddhists but also godapada uses it you uh, know that sometimes when you were kids we used these sparklers and we would whirl it round and round and it would look like a fiery circle that's called alata chakra and alata shanti is dousing the the illusion of that of that that uh, fiery circle it's an example how godapada uses it uh, we will see later in the chapter but from that the name has been taken what is this chapter now luckily or unluckily the real teaching of mandukya upanishad mandukya karika is over the essential teaching is first chapter the arguments for the falsity of the universe are in the second chapter very important and the non duality of the self i am that turiyam that is in the third chapter complete now why a fourth chapter there are different um, proposals you know people have thought in different ways why this fourth chapter is there one idea is the atman has four aspects waking dreaming deep sleep and turiya so the first chapter is about waking uh, second is about uh, is based on the dreaming aspect third is ba- based on the deep sleep aspect and fourth one is turiya you can somehow match the first three i think because upanishad is in the first chapter so the ex- the teaching is given in the waking sort of stretch second chapter can be matched to dreaming because it's the falsity of the universe using the dream example third chapter non duality in deep sleep there is a kind of non duality uh, no subject object so that can serve as a model for the non dual turiya though it's not uh, deep sleep is not turiya but really how is turiya the fourth chapter if you ask there is no real connection if you look at the contents of the fourth chapter so it breaks down there um what else another way of putting it is advaita is brahma satyam jagat mithya jiva brahmeva napara um so the first chapter gives you the teaching the second chapter shows you that um, jagat is mithya the world is false the third chapter shows you brahman is satyam advaitam non dual the fourth chapter will show you that the jiva is brahman but again if you come to the fourth chapter nothing like that particularly is there jiva is brahman is there in every chapter so if you look at the fourth chapter it's mostly a miscellany it seems to me whatever godapada had left over to say he has sort of dumped it in the fourth chapter so it becomes a big chapter it's the biggest chapter with 100 verses it contains many things but primarily what it contains is um objections and answers so what we have seen in all these chapters it can lead to many objections brahman is real what is brahman how is it real world is false no wait a minute you've given some arguments but i'm not convinced here are my objections world is not false you are brahman no i am not i am this waking being this individual right now so many objections are possible not just common sense objects uh, not just common sense objections objections from very deep thinkers from philosophers the different schools of indian philosophy so in one way of classification there are 12 schools of indian philosophy they call dwadasha darshanani 12 schools one of which is advaita vedanta or vedanta uh, there are 11 other schools so there is the charvaka 
the materialist school, and there are many types of charvakas. Let's consider them one school. There is the Jaina school. So Jainism ha has a particular philosophy, a very deep philosophy. Then there is the there are four Buddhist schools. Um, the the uh, uh, this Vaibhashika, Swata, um, uh, Sautrantika, Yogachara, Vigyanavada, and Madhyamaka, uh, Shunyavada. In fact, I spent more than three months, six months at Harvard studying this last one, Madhyamaka Shunyavada. A lot of these schools we studied uh, there as part of two courses in, uh, at Harvard. In fact, I was thinking while studying it last year, that I'm putting all this effort into it and it's a very interesting subject for me, Indian philosophy. I took two or three courses. I thought once I go back, we should have a course on Indian philosophy. Uh, I don't know how many of you are up for that. I certainly am. Even if two or three are up for that, we can have a course on Indian philosophy, maybe this summer or like a summer camp or something afterwards. All of that should not go to waste <laughs> the last several months of study. Because I've been teaching only Advaita, but there are these, all these other philosophies. And here in this chapter, you will see when Gaudapada is dealing with these objections coming from so many philosophies. So these six philosophies, the materialist, all right, we've already got some votes. There are several are saying yes, 100%. <laughs> um, so materialists, the Jainas, the four Buddhist schools, that makes six. And they're, um, yes, so, so many are saying yes, very good. <laughs> we have got more than enough. Yes. Um, Zoom. It seems to, I just heard from some future students at Harvard, they're disappointed because um, Harvard has just said that probably fall onwards will be in Zoom only. And they have almost decided they will not allow students back on campus. So Zoom seems to be the platform now. Um, at least one student told me that uh, he's not going. He will not, unless they allow me on campus, I'm not going to go to Harvard. Um, so these, then there are the six astika, the the Vedic schools. So these, these first six are non-Vedic schools. The other six Vedic schools are Nyaya, Vaisheshika. Professor Arindam Chakravarti, who came and gave a talk at the Vedanta Society, he is by training a Nyayika, a Nyaya scholar. So Nyaya, Vaisheshika, um, the Sankhya, the Yoga, uh, the Purva Mimamsa, and Vedanta, which is Uttara Mimamsa. And Vedanta also, so many schools are there. So it's a, uh, there are 12 schools. Um, a great scholar would be a person who is proficient in all the 12 schools. There was one Swami, Swami Kashikanandagiri. Um, he, he has passed away now. He was in Mumbai. I never saw him, but I have read some of his books. And he had a title, Dwadasha Darshana Kanana Keshari, the lion who, who roams about freely in the dense forest of the 12 philosophies. So it's like tangled and creepers and um, bushes and uh, dark, deep forest. In that, this lion, of course, it doesn't look like a lion. He was like a very old and weak man. But anyway, 12 philosophies, one of which is Advaita. Now, Gaurapada has to contend with very deep uh, objections. We often give common sense objections. Bertrand Russell said, um, common sense is the metaphysics of savages. <laughs> so, there are other great philosophers who have profoundly thought about these uh, matters and raised several serious objections. Those are dealt with in this chapter. And Gaurapada also repeats, summarizes the Advaita teachings from first three chapters.
more or less this is what happens now let us do the first verse which is a salutation very interesting uh, Gaurapada starts with a salutation to Narayana this is Alata Shanti Prakarana I am starting with the first verse today Jnane Nakasha Kalpena Dharman Yoga Ganopaman Gaya Bhinnena Sambuddha Tamvande Dvipadamvaram Jnane Nakasha Kalpena Dharman Yoga Ganopaman Gaya Bhinnena Sambuddha Tamvande Dvipadamvaram This verse has caused no end of trouble. Why? The word Buddha offers there, uh, occurs there and Gaurapada has often been charged with being sort of crypto-Buddhist right? because a lot of Buddhist terms and arguments are there, there is no doubt about it. But that does not make him a Buddhist. Uh, it was just the milieu in which he was writing and philosophizing and teaching. The Buddhism was very strong. Um, the meaning of this verse is that Atman which is to be realized and the one who realizes it, God who realizes the Atman uh, as non-different from the Jivas who are also like the sky, they are all non-different from the consciousness. God is consciousness, all the Jivas are consciousness and by consciousness alone God realizes God's unity with all the Jivas. It is sort of reverse of the Mahavakya. When you say Tattva Masyar Aham Brahmasmi, I mean I the Jiva and the Paramatman. How? Paramatman is pure consciousness. I am pure consciousness. Apart from body and mind, apart from Maya, we are pure consciousness. So I realize my unity with the Paramatman. Here the Paramatman, a God, is realizing his unity with us. And he, the Lord, and we, we are compared, Gagana Upaman, we, uh, the Jivas are compared to the sky, unlimited consciousness. Unlimited consciousness, limitless consciousness, like the limitless sky. Um, God realizes oneness with all jivas. God is also consciousness. Jivas, we are also consciousness. And the way it is realized is in consciousness. Consciousness realizes its unity with consciousness in consciousness. Like the sky. Gagano Upaman. To that Lord who has realized, Sambuddha means realizing. To that Lord, one day I salute, I glorify, I, I praise that Lord. Dvipadam varam. Dvipadam means biped. Here it references to humans, that those who walk on two, two feet. So Narayana is seen as, Apurushottama Narayana is represented as a human being, like a, with two feet, like Krishna or uh, uh, Vishnu. To that Lord, who is the um, original teacher who has revealed this truth to the rishis and the rishis who have passed it down to Gaurapada and to Shankara and down to us to that Lord I bow down so this is a salutation to God why did it create problems? because some scholars said look there is some Buddha Buddha is saluted Gaurapada is saluting Buddha and Dvipadam Varam the best among the bipeds is Buddha so isn't it isn't Gaurapada Buddhist? A lot of discussions and fights have gone on for ages. But here, Shankaracharya is very clear. He says it is um, Narayana whom um, Purushottama is, is, is being Narayana Akhyam 
that supreme self which is called Narayan is being saluted here by Gaudapada. First two verses are salutation, then the fights will start with plenty of other uh, many schools. They are all waiting for their chance with plenty of objections. Some you will identify, I have the objection. So there are all these schools, Nayaikas, Buddhists, Jains, they are all rise, raising that little blue hand. Gaurapada, question. So <laughs> those questions will come, answers. It's quite interesting if you have a philosophical bent of mind. Um, and it will go on this way. Quick question, then we will end the class. Someone who has not spoken yet? Anybody is there? Are you there? Who, who is that? Nitin. Nitin, yes. Nitin, go ahead. Uh, so, Maharaj, uh, Satchit Ananda, I've heard, read, I think you have also mentioned many uh, earlier that the word Satchit Ananda is only used to point to Brahman. That is, because we cannot describe Brahman in words. Yes. But still we use, the, we somewhere down the line, we start calling Brahman as consciousness. Yes. And uh, even if it is, the witness consciousness, yes. isn't that just, the, so to speak, a manifestation of Brahman or the purest manifestation of Brahman that just points to Brahman? Yes. Or is that Brahman? No, uh, you are right. That is Brahman, but um, the, the problem is always that we'll end up mixing it up with the mind. Uh, if you say consciousness, all the, actually all the consciousness that we are aware of is mixed up with the mind. Our thoughts, feelings, emotions... That's where we find consciousness. And when you say Brahman is consciousness, we, whether you like it or not, we think about that. But that's like uh, the reflection in the mirror. That is not the real face. Your real face is here. What you're seeing is a reflection. You have to use that intuitively to sort of turn towards your real face. And turn means you cannot actually see it. You are, you are it. So similarly, consciousness in the mind, if you become a witness to that, you see that I am reflected in it and then own up to it. Uh, it can only point to the pure consciousness. We are using the word consciousness to distinguish it from non-conscious. It is consciousness because everything is lit up by it. But not the empirical reflected consciousness with which we are familiar. The concept of pure consciousness is, is, a, is something that we should dwell on for a long time before it becomes clear. I, I remember this past year, one of the courses that I did, in fact, I'm still completing the final assignments for that course. The philosophy of mind at Harvard. And consciousness, because I thought we'll study about consciousness. And you see the entirety, how much they're struggling with um, mind, brain, consciousness. They're unable to distinguish. Uh, I mean, one funny thing is, uh, the what thing which I'm working on right now is something called the extended mind. David Chalmers and Clark, they wrote a paper. The whole idea is, just see how, if you are unable to distinguish consciousness from its object, if you think deeply, you will become more and more identified with the object. The thesis of this is, David Chalmers is saying this, is that why confine the mind only to the brain uh, or to the skull? Uh, my smartphone, my notebook, they are performing the same function as my memory. Just because this memory is in here and that memory is outside there, why say that that's a device and this is I, this is my mind? Why should the skull be a barrier? That is also part of the mind. Now, in one sense, this is terrible. I'm not only identified with the body, I'm identified with the mind. Mind is identified with the brain. And the brain is identified with now the cell phone also outside. I am not only this, but I am also 
I am this also and what not more. You are becoming more and more identified with the material reality. Uh, the more one sadhu said, Jadh se shuru karoge to jadh hi milega. Chetan se shuru karoge to chetan milega. If you start with the material object and you think deeply, you will keep on extending yourself into the object. Uh, that's what's happening. I, mean, I saw it, you know, it's very interesting. Um, so, um, anyway, so that's the point. Unless you are able to distinguish yourself from the mind, the idea of pure consciousness will not become clear. Similarly for being also, Sat. Whatever we think about, even we think about pure being, Asmi, which Anandi said earlier. But all our idea of being is con confined to objects which exist. Pure existence. Uh, to, to imagine it, to conceive of it, takes you the, to the very doorstep of enlightenment. Pure consciousness, to imagine it or conceive of it, takes you to the very doorstep of enlightenment. On that very good point. Uh, yes, you had a follow-up? Just uh, actually a little bit. Uh, so we call it Sakshi Chaitanya, or yes. witness consciousness. Yes. But it's an unfortunate use of words because witness consciousness seems like it is... Witnessing. Witnessing. Yeah. Whereas Shuddha Chaitanya is probably, or pure consciousness as you're saying, is probably a better way of calling it because that is not something that we will experience directly it is just the ground of all exist all that is appearing and all that is appearing to be conscious correct but don't say we are not experiencing it directly in fact that's the only thing that is experienced directly because all experiences happen to it and through it whatever we are experiencing now is indirectly the only thing that is direct that's why in, in vedanta it's called direct immediate sakshad aparokshad atma but because it's direct and immediate, just like your own face is direct and immediate, it never becomes an object. It seems that the face in the mirror is directly experienced. No, that's a reflection. First this face, then that face. First pure consciousness, then the reflected consciousness. Sakshi is, is a process of, I mean, Sakshi itself is not a process. Uh, the using this Sakshi in Advaita Vedanta is a process of taking you, extracting you from identification with mental processes and uh, turning you towards pure consciousness. And all of this is in understanding only. Pure consciousness remains as pure consciousness. Uh, yeah. Okay, thank you. And uh, I'll talk a little bit about it in my Sunday talk. This talk is about Jivan Mukti, where it depends a lot on the purity of the mind. Um, you see, it is this idea of Shuddha Chaitanya, pure, con pure witness, Shuddha Sakshi or Ashuddha Sakshi. There is an impure witness. An impure witness is the one which is trying to be a witness. And the one which keeps getting associated with the Raga Dvesha in the mind. Likes and dislikes, movements in the mind, keeps getting swept away. When you try to be a witness, this is always you are vulnerable to, um, you know, what begins will end. What you generate will disappear. So the generated witness, the witness which begins will also end. Generated witness will always disappear. Created witness will be destroyed. But that which is a witness of all of this, that we know, it's always there. And I am that. Uh, here the sadhanas for purification of mind and concentration of mind enable us to appreciate the pure witness or pure consciousness in its real nature. Alright, that's a very subtle point. Alright, let me... Do yes. Vichit Kampanekar, are you going to take one more question, Swamiji? Okay, or? we ha still have a couple of minutes. <coughs> Namaste, Maharaj. Namaste. Uh, the, the 
Advaita, and it's also implying Asparsha Yoga and also implying the Amani. Correct. Look at it this way. Advaitam is proved by showing Ajatavada. Ajatavada actually supports Advaitam. Without Ajatavada, no Advaitam. In Gaurapada's thinking. And Ajatavada implies Asparsha uh, Atma. And the Asparsha Atma is realized by Asparsha Yoga, specifically Amani Bhava. But the Amani Bhava is not literally no mind. It means uh, Mano Nithyatva Nishchaya. Uh, repeat that again. Uh, given Ajatavada, no origin. Yes. The body as the Karana Sharira, as the causal body. Yes. Something. That is a, that's a little confusing. No, the deep sleep body is a causal, is a causal state. Deep sleep is the causal state. It produces waking and dreaming. Okay. But in all of these, waking, dreaming and deep sleep, cause and effect, Kadya Karana, the uh, Atma is, is not any of them. But they are in the Atma. They appear and disappear in the Atma. Yes. I think one person still has the hand up. Is this somebody? So, or is this an old hand or a new hand? No, no, Swami. Devanik Chaudhary. Yes, Devanik. Pranam, Swamiji. Yes. How are you? Uh, good to see you. Good to see you too. Thank you for letting us into the class. Actually, uh, I had two questions. One has just been answered by you, the Karya Karan and the Asparsha Yoga. Like, so, uh, just to clarify, like you negate the Karya Karana to go to the Asparsha Yoga part of the of Gaurapada's uh, argument, right? In favor of Advaitam. You negate the Karya Karana, correct. Negate means they are not real. They appear, but they are yes. not they are not real, they are not me. Okay. And my other question was in regards to the, the nature of the mind that allows for certain experiences to persist in waking state versus certain experiences to be fickle in the dream state. Yes. Has that got to do with like uh, out of the prapancha what the mind is made of that which is fickle will disappear. I mean if, if, even if you consider the experiences in waking state unless you are entirely focused on one a physical entity the mind constantly changes even when you are waking. Correct. Awake. Correct. It is true. Um, Gaurapada does not take those things into account. Uh, for us you know from a common sense point of view the waking state is more real than the uh, dream state and Gaudapada uses that argument to prove the falsity of the waking state but afterwards he says both of them should be dismissed as appearances yes from us Gaudapada you have to see that he always takes a, a consciousness based approach from the perspective of consciousness both are appearances but why are you saying both then there is a there is a little difference in the nature of those appearances one is more stable than the other one is that's why that is the basis for pratibhasika vyavaharika and paramatika distinction gaudapada mixes up i mean collapses the pratibhasika and the uh, the vyavaharika and he calls both of them pratibhasika it's a more radical way of looking at it very good that's some heavy duty stuff <laughs> Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupa Namastu